The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast and this week I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Dave Duke, award-winning broadcaster. Wow, it's great to hear someone (laughs) else say that apart from me putting it on my LinkedIn. David, it's great to have you here. Does anyone ever call you David? Mum and one friend from school who actually despised me being called Dave. Right. She couldn't understand it whatsoever. Why are people calling you Dave? So, and you. I'm not too sure if you've listened to the previous seasons, but everyone I've had on my podcast, I've really wanted to speak to. And you are a person that I've wanted to speak to for years, uh, long before I, I knew you personally. Like lately, we've we've done a few gigs together and we've got to know each other personally. But before that, I always admired you as a broadcaster and only ever knew you as a broadcaster. And the reason I admired you so much is because you're from Leitrim mm-hmm. and you always stayed Leitrim. Yeah. Do you know, some people kind of might change a little bit or feel they have to change a little bit to fill a gap. But you always just kind of stayed yourself. And that's one thing I really admired about you. And one thing, that one reason I've always wanted to, to talk to you. How long have you been on the radio? I've been on the radio five, six years. So, but it wasn't always like that. So when I started my first show on iRadio, I didn't know any better than to be someone who I wasn't. Maybe it was a defense mechanism, but I was trying to pronounce everything absolutely properly. But I ended up sounding like an idiot. Yeah. And I'll remember there's a couple of turning points. One of them being going home after a couple of months on the radio. And of course, everyone is finding out that you're on the radio. And I was accused of getting 
elocution lessons in the local pub. And oh. I was like, something has to change. So then it was like, this is who I am. I'm never going to be anything other than I am. I'm Dave Duke. I'm from Leithram. I'm a thick culture who likes to be a little cool. Like I'm up to date with everything. I don't have hands to bless myself. I grew up on a farm. I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> but I still am who I am. What age are you? 29. And is iRadio your first radio job? Yes. First proper one. So there was a local community radio station in Mundoran called Western Waves. And I started with them when I was in secondary school as a volunteer. Just, hey, come to us and do a show. So me and a fella called Thomas Waters from Sligo done a show called Loop. And it was the worst dance show you'll ever hear in your life. But it was great practice. Went to Ballyfermot at college for two years, done radio there. On the last day of college, the community radio station says, hey, there's a job here for you. Would you like it? I was like, absolutely. And it was the worst radio station in the country. And it went defunct. And if there's ever an inquiry into where all the funding went into that radio station, we could all be jailed. But please don't, <laughs> don't spread this word. So, but yeah, iRadio is the first proper radio job. And how long did that come up after you finished college? Oh, so I've done two years in the community radio station in Mundoran. And then it ran out of funding and I'd done... A year on the dole. And I went for a job in Dublin to a place called Media Central, not knowing that they were connected to all the other radio stations. So I headed off to Dublin in my black Peugeot 206 in an oversized pennies suit, went in and done the interview, was very happy with the interview, but never heard a word at all. And months went by. And at the time, this was pretty new technology. You could put a tracker on an email. Now, this sounds like like I'm a creep, but no, it's just normal technology now. It's like a read receipt. And every time they opened my email in Dublin, I'd get a notification. And there was loads of opens directly after the interview, but then there was none for months. Until one day, I'm driving out and I get a notification that your email's been opened. And five minutes later, I get an email from my radio saying, Hey, Neil from Media Central in Dublin has recommended you to us in iRadio. That's how I got in. For going to, I always wanted to go to iRadio, always wanted to apply, never had the leaf roji, never had the confidence. I says, no, I'll be terrible and never get in there. It's a pipe dream. Went for a job in Dublin and that is my in to iRadio. Wow. And when you started in iRadio, did you start on the afternoon show or did it start at the weekends? or how No. Did- so done no cover work at all done the i-team work so promotions work get into the car and give away you know those ferrero rocher white balls what do you call them delicious i hate them anymore do you we got about 10 or fifteen thousand of those <laughs> and we were to give them out and i sickened myself of them they're still a lovely sweet yeah so done the i-team work for 10 months and then the nighttime job came up so it was the cracked eye with chris and kira and then it went to ed and fitzy Ed was leaving, needed a replacement, and this was coming up at Christmas time. And I said to a senior member of staff on iRadio, and I've told this story before, and they hate hearing it. I says, I'm thinking of applying for the nighttime job on iRadio. And they said, don't. I said, why not? Well, you've no experience. And your accent's a bit too thick. (laughs) I love these stories. Go on. And that devastated me. And that was actually 
told me in the college in Castlebar. Like, I still, I still remember where, you know when you're told something, you hear something, usually the ones to go to were, where were you on 9-11? Or where were you when Deanna died? For me, it's when pieces of information just stick in your head and I know where I was. And I thought, the cheek of you to tell me that. Applied for it. Obviously got it. But it just goes to show, don't take advice of elders all the time. I backed myself there, and Jesus, I'm glad I did. Did you genuinely say the cheek of you to say that to me? Or at first, did you say, geez, maybe he's right, maybe... It was she. she okay, well, maybe she's right. Did, it, did that cross your mind at all? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. I... Did it knock your confidence? Oh, massively. Yeah. Massively. Like, I remember f- kind of falling back into the plastic seat... We were in like the canteen, you're hungry, you're tired, it's been a long day, you're on the road since 6 o'clock that morning, and you just think, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I bothering my whole, if this is what I'm going to be told, going for a nighttime job in radio. So, knock the confidence massively, but I luckily just thought to myself, well, if you don't go for this, then what are you going for? It's really interesting because everyone I know has kind of come up through the ranks in radio. You kind of, that's, that's how this industry works. You start making the tea or you start brushing the floor, or you start answering the phones and hopefully someday someone will be sick and you'll be fired in yeah. and you get the gig. But I think the majority of people I speak to and know and even from my own experience, you all, we all go through that, what am I doing? What mm. am I doing this for? But there's this bug, like it's a radio bug that just keeps driving you on, keeps going, no, I will. I, I'm going to I'm going to do this and I, I want that show and I want to be on the radio. And that's what keeps it going. It, it's a real thing, the radio bug, isn't it? It is. And it's quite hard to describe to people who don't have it, which is the vast majority that don't have it. Hmm. But it is like having uh, an infectious worm in your head that you can't get out of. Get out of your head. You might take a cream every so often and you might get it on side, but... It's like a GAA player that might have had an injury. Yeah. And they're told they'll never play again. And then there's devastation and they have a book out and they're on the Late Late Show. People understand that Mm. a lot quicker. But this is the exact same thing. If somebody turned around to you tomorrow and said, "You you can't go on the radio anymore. That's it. It's game over. You would be devastated. Massively. Yeah. And you can lie to yourself and you go, nah, it wouldn't bother me. Yeah. Nah, sure, you know, plenty of going on, you know. Ah, sure, I'll just uh, keep plugging away at TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go back to the family farm. But I know myself, yeah, it'd be killer. It's, it's the same thing with me, actually. I was on Castlebar Community Radio and a fella said to me, a fella that I admired a lot and was in radio a long time and who I looked up to, told me I'd never make it on radio because I had too much of a Castlebar accent. A Castlebar accent? Yeah. I don't even know what a Castlebar accent is. Well, I is. don't even know what a Castlebar accent is, and I don't think I ever changed my accent, so, so this is obviously it. But uh, And I remember feeling exactly how you did, because I was giving it my everything, and I was recording all my shows on mini-discs, and I was wow. going home, and I was listening to them, and I was air-checking myself. And people that, that aren't in radio won't understand an air-check is when you're brought in, and you're basically played your show in front of you. It's... Some of the toughest minutes you'll ever go through in your life. And you're kind of told this, that and the other. So I used to air check myself every evening, going home with this little mini disc. And then this guy came to me and he said, no, 
look, you'll never make it because um, you've too much of a Castlebar accent. And I don't know if I did ever make it, but I had a breakfast show in Galway and I was on, I had my own show in Shannon side and I'm happy with what I've achieved in radio. And I, I think I've achieved enough. I, I've no uh, aspirations to be on national radio or anything like that. But it is devastating when somebody comes up to you and says you'll never do it because of something like your accent. Mm. But it's it's phenomenally easy to try and hold someone back with advice and be destructive to not just their career, but I think we all know someone who's like, ah, don't do that. Yeah. Or you should, ah, what are you really going at that for now? Or what will you gain from that? Yeah. You have to look at what that person has achieved in their life and go, ah, you know what? I don't think I'll take your advice. It's all right. And some people will have achieved a lot, but they'll also try and destruct you in case, Jesus, he might come in and take my job. Like, I will always say there is someone who didn't take the chances I took and they would be 10 times better at my job than I am. Right. That's interesting. I I always appreciate that. There is someone who thought, I know, it's going to be a tough road to get on the radio. And I know they'd be better on the radio than I would. Like, I'm not trying to run myself down no, by going, oh, I'm terrible on the radio. But there's always someone better that haven't took the chance. Like, I think there's probably better footballers than Ronaldo and Messi that just didn't put in the work. Oh, that's controversial now. That's going to open a can of worms. That there's a better footballer than Ronaldo and Messi somewhere out there in the world. <laughs> There would have been. I know. I'm, but maybe I'm, they were put down yeah, and they were told, right. no, you can't play football. Yeah. And there's plenty out there that think they're better and they're probably there's 10 times worse. Well, there's, there's so many posers <laughs> in this world. Do you find the world of radio very fickle? <laughs> Massively. It's very hard to have friends in radio. It's very hard to have friends in the same radio station you're working in. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here with iRadio, but I'm saying from my experience, like what you said there a minute ago, there's people, it, it's it's just a very backstabbing world, isn't it? It's full of posers. Yeah. Fraudsters. Shizers. It's full of the most egotistical people. There's a lot of egos. Unbelievable. And an awful lot of insecurity. Oh, massive. But I will appreciate that I am also insecure. Like, why Why would anyone want to go on the radio? To get a bit of attention. Yeah. And maybe, you know, you can psychoanalyze yourself and go, I never knew my father, and um, <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm on the radio, to gather love and attention, and I was a fat child who didn't like the look of himself, and this is why I've done it. Like, you could psychoanalyze yourself, and maybe everyone needs to do the same in Irish radio, but there is... It's annoyed me the last 12 months how many posers there are. Do you know what got to me in the end was you'd come out of the studio and somebody come up to you and say, geez, that was a brilliant show. God almighty, you're doing mighty. That was brilliant. You're the best person I've ever heard on the radio. (laughs) And then they'll turn around and the boss will say, oh, geez, I don't know about that show. And the same fellow will turn around to the boss and say, yeah, geez, I don't think he should be on the radio. Do you know, I just don't think he's right. Mm. And there's so much of that. And there's very few people so secure in their own gig that they just can't focus on their own gig, that they have to tap into other people's gigs and see what everyone else is doing. And that's that's not just for radio. There's other businesses doing that as well, where other people are focused more on other businesses than their own business. But what I found was 
it was so hard to meet. I worked in one radio station and a lot of people were insecure and you had no friends and everyone was out to get everyone else. And then I moved to another radio station and everyone was so secure and they knew that, look, at this is my gig and I'm just here for the last how many years and, you know, I'll be here till whatever. And the difference in the two places was night and day. And I didn't think I'd experience that in the radio world. But I suppose it comes from the top down and management kind of telling them on a regular basis, look, you're doing mighty and we're happy with you. But that doesn't happen very often in radio stations. No, it doesn't. And after all the giving out about Irish radio have done. But it's it's a lot of the celebrity industry and influencers. You'll know yourself. There are people that you can call genuine. And there are those that I wouldn't trust you with a broken shoe of mine. Uh, that's how little I think of you. In iRadio, there's a brilliant dynamic because we're in Athlone, like. You know, how can you get above your own station in Athlone? You can't. And no offence to Athlone people, you're a lovely place to live, but you're still Athlone, the heart of the Midlands, the cultural hub of Ireland. There's a great young dynamic. We're from all over, from Dublin to Mead to Galway to Mayo to Leitrim to Westmead. There's a lovely melting pot. And I think we beat the egos out of each other. There's a lot of slagging. There's a lot of bollocking in the office. So no one gets above their station. And no one treats anyone like a god. There's not much of that. Oh my god, you had an amazing show today. I wouldn't tolerate that. I think that... Fully believe, pay a compliment if you think it to be true. If you do not think it to be true, then don't bother your hole because you're just... (laughs) What are you doing? You're giving them a false sense of reality and you're giving yourself... Something you think about, oh, I shouldn't have told them that was a good show when they said, um, um, 25 times in a row. Don't pay a compliment unless it's true. You're only as good as your last gig anyway. Yeah, 100%. And it could be game over tomorrow. I could have a wonderful show on Friday and I could say something horrific on Monday and I could be gone. Do you ever worry about saying something horrific? Um, yeah, I do but not as much as I used to. I feel there's an appetite for looseness and divilment. Not necessarily badness in the destructive sense. When I say badness, I mean, oh, there's badness in him. Not a, wow, no, he's there's real badness in him. There's a difference in badness. That's That's been missing from radio for so long. Because everything now has gone so PC, people are afraid to have divilment and afraid. And I was listening, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when the um, the Centra down in Cork had the Suchi? Do you, yes. Do you, and Ray Foley kept ringing the Centra, asking them, what kind of lunches do you have there? And he kept saying, you know, would you have any, would you have any fish dishes for lunch? Would you have any like raw fish? And he was trying to get them to say the word mm-hmm. Suchi. They were trying to say sushi, obviously. But that has been missing from radio, and in particular Irish radio, for so long. And, and I said this to your face, and I've said it on air, and I've said it behind your back. I would say the only two presenters in Ireland at the minute that I know and that I listen to on a regular basis that are up for that kind of divment are yourself and Ray Foley. And it's refreshing to hear it again, where you're, you're driving along, and, you, and you, you, need, you need to be driving along, and you need to say to yourself, Oh! Oh, that was close to the bone now. But still, just be close to the bone and not overstep the mark. 
because radio has gone so safe and so boring. This is, that was, what's your favourite sandwich? Give me a break, like. And you need to push the boundaries a little bit. I think radio is in a very confused state at the moment. I feel podcasts have got the hop on us. And I know it's ironic me sitting and talking about this on a podcast. But they really have. I think radio has done well to a point trying to keep up with the times. Oh, we're on social media. We're on TikTok. But we are still well behind. I think there'll always be a place for radio. Because live radio is phenomenal. It's reactive. The Queen dies, we have it out in 10 seconds. There's a disaster. We're on it within 10 seconds. We have the edge on that on podcasts. But I feel we haven't progressed enough to be crying for attention. Like, my uncle now listens to podcasts. That man that man didn't know how to send a photo on WhatsApp six months ago. Now he's listening to podcasts. I fear that if we don't do something to generate hype or intrigue or a bit of oh, oh, that for Irish radio, I mean, tensing up going, Jesus, what is that fella going to say next? What are they going to say next? I feel we're going to lose the game to podcasts. That's what I try and do, but it's an uphill struggle and battle. Yeah, it's tough. And it's it's great that you that you said that because I actually just read an article this morning online and on one of the uh, national newspapers saying that people should not be underestimating the power of marketing on podcasts, that it's absolutely huge. And I know that I, I had two good sponsors, Ireland West Airport and Port West in my last two seasons, you know, and they were both delighted. And it was great at the end of the season to sit with them and for them to say, Do you know, we were absolutely delighted with that. Because at the start of the season, I was asking them to sponsor something that I had no idea how it was going to go. Ireland West Airport just took a punt. I went over there and I said, lads, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. Do you want to sponsor it? And straight away they said yes. And then I said, oh, shit. Because, I actually have to do it now. Because now we have to do it. And now we, we don't know if we're going to deliver. Are we going to be any good? Are we going to get downloads? Are people going to enjoy it? And more importantly, is the airport going to get a return out of this sponsorship? But they did. And so did Port West. And it was great. And I always, no matter who I work with, if I'm advertising a bottle of water, I'll always go the extra mile. Because from my marketing background, I want to sit down and I want to see how it went. I don't want to say, right, don't, don't pay me to promote a bottle of water. And then I just head off. And start drinking other water. I want to sit down with you and see, did that work? Yeah. And was it worth it? Because it'll give me more information going through to my next client. And then it'll, you know, obviously you want everything to be a success. You don't want it to be a a complete failure. But it is interesting because now you're buying a brand new car. The first thing that comes on in the car is Spotify. Yeah. And like I know when I get into my car now, I have to turn off Spotify to turn on the radio. And it drives me mental. So sometimes I just turn off my Bluetooth on my phone because the second I get in, it goes, what do you want to listen to on Spotify? And you're like, no, I just want to listen to the radio. And that's dangerous for radio at the minute. But I am in no way naive just how powerful podcasts are and how off the ball radio has been. Not just because when I say radio, don't just think iRadio. Think the radio industry as a whole in Ireland and across the world to an extent. How much we have just let podcasts run away with it. And in, in an equal measure, I have to compliment iRadio on how on the ball and tuned in they have been to social media. Mm. They really caught a grasp of that. And 
it, it's admirable that they invested so much in their cars and their team and their branding on a daily basis because so many radio stations have dropped the ball there. Mm. Like when, like you were saying, social media is the place to be. And that was before podcasting took off. Everyone had to be on social media. And iRadio took that by the reins and said, right, we need to be here and we need to be sending out the team. And they do. And they do a fantastic job of that. Yeah, it's cool to see just people being sent to something for the sake of, nah, we should be at that. Let's go. Yeah. Like sea sessions. Send them down. <laughs> the plowing. Send them off. Send it. Just, just go. Just take the jeep and off with you. TikTok has made Vox popping popular again. Yeah. Yeah. Vox you, popping. Just, just approaching people on the street, asking them, what's your favorite color? Like, that's all over TikTok now. Yeah. Like, that's, and that, that's a radio. That's initially a radio thing, and now it's on TikTok. And what some people won't realize is in other radio stations, the Jeep isn't available, and you have to be, you're chained to your desk. And you say, uh, look, I might take the Jeep down to the plowing. And they're like, who? Mary's Jeep. <laughs> and you're like, well, no, it's the radio station's Mary Jeep. Mary has to pick up the kids at three at like, you take her Jeep? Yeah. Off? Well, Mary's finished at three and she needs to go home and you won't be back from the plowing until seven. So that's not going to happen. And that happens in so many radio stations that it's not the radio station Jeep. And there isn't the promotional team and there isn't the budgets to do it and they don't have the foresight to do it. And that's, I have to compliment iRadio on that. But let's go back to Dave Duke as a youngster. Dave, where did you grow up? In a place called Glen Aid in Leitrim. And what was it like growing up there? It was great. Grew up in a farm. The grandfather was the big farmer. And then some uncles kind of farmed after that. I would have farmed myself. But had an interest up until I was about maybe 14, 15 then I found women and drink and football was better crack than farming. And I was never really good at it. Never, like I've said this several times, but I genuinely don't have hands to bless myself. How many is in your family? I, I have two brothers, but there's a big age gap between us. There's about 14 years between us. And then mom is one of eight. So my grandmother had three sets of twins. Wow. Six out of eight were twins. Stop. And then there was um, stillborn, stillborn girl and a girl who died in infancy when she was a child. So grandmother had 10 children, um, eight still alive and well alive at that. They're not that old at all. Yeah. Like mum was only 50 in November. But grandmother had eight children. Six of those are twins. And then one of those sets of twins, male, had a set of twins. So a lot of twins in our family. And now I'm going out with a twin. <laughs> oh, no. It's a bit of a mess. Um, but mum only had me when she was 20, 2021. And then mum never knew my father. And mum got married. And they had two children, Cian and Adam. So there's 14 years between us. And some someone said to me one day, years ago, about your half-brother. And I nearly took the head of them. I was like, there's nothing half about them at all. They're my brothers, and I love them dearly. The same with my uh, brother. Oh, there's seven years between us, and my grandmother had 14 kids. 14? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, when, so you were an only child then, growing up? I was an only child for 14 years. So mum didn't take me out of Glenade. She moved to Cliffney 
which is only about 15 minutes away. But when mum got married when I was 10, 2003, there was a decision made on my behalf. Do we leave David with his grandparents? Do we let him go to the same school and grow up on the farm? Or do we take him under our wing and maybe throw him off his rhythm, put him to a school in Sligo? I wasn't part of that decision. I don't know if any 10-year-old has ever been sat down and going, do you want to go with mammy and new husband or do you want to stay with grandparents? Luckily enough, they did. It worked out. So they I did just, what? They just left me in Glen Aid. With your grandparents? Yeah. So my grandparents raised me. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? It was confusing for a long time because it didn't know who my father was. You genuinely didn't know? like you, you Genuinely. Know. Okay, so uh, I just mean some people say I didn't know who he was, as in you didn't get to know him, but you, you, you had no idea who he was. No concept. And when mum got married, I'll tell you, this is how confused it was. I didn't know if the man she was marrying was dad or not. And I come from a heavily Catholic rural family. So me being in the world was difficult enough for them to have a conversation with me about who my dad was would have been doubly difficult so that conversation was never had for years so I grew up thinking is he my dad is he not I don't know surely they would have told me why am I calling him Kieran? I'd be calling him dad if he was dad where's, where's dad that crossed my mind a few times but it never bothered me too much to go investigating what age did you say you were when Kieran came along were you 10 no Ten, so 2003, they got married on my birthday, would you believe? Which made it even more confusing. I was like, why are they getting married on my birthday if he's not my dad? <laughs> Super confusing. So, so you, he you're... was obviously there from maybe when I was six or seven. So, okay. And then it must have been confusing then, like you were kind of getting picked up from school or stuff and teachers calling him, oh, your dad's outside. Or was there any of that kind of thing? Where... No, I think... All the teachers knew. It never came up. It never came up. I can only name three or four instances in my life where I was like nearly put into a corner like, who is your father? And you try and brush it off. There was an occasion at a wedding. And one was like, who are you now? I was like, oh, I'm Duke from Glenade. And uh, who's your father? And I was like, oh, well, my mother is Breach. But who's your father? Oh, it was like, oh, there's Bridge, and then there's my Uncle Luke. You know, you're not trying to be yeah. a dick to this woman. Mm. And then she goes, but who's your father? And I just go, I don't know my dad. <laughs> like that classic American. I don't know my daddy. <laughs> and you could see the blood just draining from her face. And she just turned and walked away. She had nothing else to say, and I had nothing else to say to her. And I was like, that's okay. It wasn't I took offense. I was like... Woman, I give you three opportunities yeah, yeah, to yeah. drop who my father was. <laughs> and you haven't dropped it, so now I have to drop you in it. Do you think about it often? I've started to now. And have you spoken to your mum about it? Once. And is this, it? this is the freaky thing, and this is a true story. On the day that I-102-104, a.k.a. iRadio, launched... Mum told me who my father was, my father's name. 
and I was too busy listening to the launch of this radio station that I was about to work on years later. She told me that day, and it's a specific corner between Bundorn and Kinloch. I know exactly where I was told after secondary school, and I forgot the name, and I've never went looking for it since. My radio was on, and that's all I cared about at that moment in time. Were you in the car when she told you? In the car, in the passenger seat. I radio launched in February, and I'd thrown a bit of a hissy fit at Christmas. I wanted to get out New Year's Eve. And my aunt was preventing me from going out. I didn't lash out violently. What age were you here now? 15. Right. And there was tears. And I was like, "Who? who's my aunt to tell me I'm not allowed to go out? Some of my grandparents. And I love, don't, I've no animosity towards my aunts or uncles. I love my family absolutely dearly. And I'm lucky enough, I'm privileged enough to be in a family where I can talk to every single aunt and uncle. But I didn't take well to her telling me that I couldn't get go out. I was like, you're not my mother. You're not my father. And I think I lashed out and I says, I don't even know who my dad is. And I think that was the first time that I really said it out loud. And I think it stopped her in her tracks and it stopped me in her tracks. And obviously then time goes by and said to mum, maybe you need to have a word. So then it was February, February 2008, whatever day I radio launched. I think it might be the 8th or the 11th of February. And how did that conversation come around? Were you just driving along and she said... Just driving along. So about three minutes out of Bundorn and... By the way, your dad's name is... By the way, your Owlwok is from Galway and his name is... And it just went over your head. Just... And she said, if you ever want to talk about this, if you ever want help finding him, absolutely no problem. Do not think that you're shut off from him or that he's dead to you. It was a protection mechanism, but I was so concentrated on what this I-102-104, a.k.a. iRadio was, that I was like, ah, yeah. We'll deal with the dad stuff later. There's this new radio station that sounds like us and they speak like us and they play the music that we listen to. Yeah, we'll look after dad later on. Let me listen to this now. And that was genuine. It was such an exciting time for Irish radio because here in the west of Ireland, we had nothing. Like we had Today FM and 2FM and Midwest or Shannon side or Galway Bay. We didn't have a Spin Southwest or a Spin Radio no. or or a beat 102, like we had nothing to play chart music. On Midwest, there was an, an hour long <laughs> show called the um, Hot Hits Hour with Brendan Redmond. And I used to sit at home waiting to press record at the start of a song and stop at the end of a song. And you'd F and blind if he spoke over it because you just had no access to this music. Yeah. And now then I radio came along and it just completely changed rural uh, radio for for the youth and for people of our age and right up to 35, 40. What's your target audience? Uh, 15 to 35. 15 to 35. So anyway, that's just not not taken away from how how serious it is not knowing your dad, but it was a huge... <laughs> if, you're, if you're into radio and you're a radio head, iRadio launching was massive. Yeah. And it I was think huge. 
I hope it gets across how much iRadio meant to me mm. to be on that station and to be still on it. So are you angry with your dad? No, I'm not. Are you angry with your mum? No. No. I'm actually sympathetic towards mum. At my granddad's... Oh, God, I'm gone. At my granddad's funeral, which was March 2021, it was the first time that... I'd heard about a person who'd let him down. So mum was having me at 20. It's 1993. And I thought, ah, no, things aren't that much of a, in a Catholic church grip hold in 1993. And they didn't believe in sex before marriage or contraception. It's kind of hard to describe to a person my age or under 30 just how backward it was then. And a good family friend came to Grandad and basically told him that mum should be sent away or that I'd be given up for adoption because was, I was going to be a bastard child. Sex before marriage. Crazy to think of that now. And... I always had, I knew it was never easy for mum having me when she had me. But that really wrote it home that someone actually had the audacity to call themselves a friend of the family. The audacity to call to the house and say, get rid of him or get rid of her or get rid of both out of here. In 1993? 93. Understood by mum. And stood by me by proxy. I always had sympathy for mum, but sympathy is sympathy is like nearly like a disparaging word. I always had respect for actually having me and going through with it and having the strength to go through it in nineteen ninety three in such a backwards place and country, even then. But it wasn't until March 2021 when I was told that on good authority that I was like, wow. Do you ever want to have a good deep conversation with your mother or are you afraid to do it? Personally, I'm not afraid. But I wouldn't want to put mum through anything that she didn't want to go through. My dream interviewee, and it's a question that comes up every so often, one of them was John Hume. Just what he'd done for the priest process in the north and found him absolutely fascinating and feel it really regretful that he died during COVID that he didn't get the send-off that he did. Oddly enough, no one would ever think Dave Duke could think so much of John Hume. He's a was a dream interviewee. Mum is top of the list to sit down and interview. Cause I only know. 100th of what she went through with me and what happened after that. And I'm sure there's people that said horrible things to her. And I don't know what the priest was like with her. I got christened anyway, so it mustn't have been that bad. But 
It couldn't have been easy. It's horrific to think that that happened in 1993. Because when you hear these stories, you automatically assume it's back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even maybe into the 70s, touching into the 80s. And then you're thinking the 90s and somebody being told here, hit the road. Good luck. What kind of relationship do you have with your mum now? Would you talk to her on a regular basis? Would you ring her up and ask her, how's the crack? Or Yeah. We don't spend as much time as I'd like together. That's due to a couple of factors. She has her own family life. And what she's... do you mean she has her own family life? You're her family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. See, there's, there's kind of this weird separation. See, when I'm going home, I'm not going to her house going to the grandparents' house in Glenade. So I'd have to go doubly home. So I'd go from, <laughs> you'd swear I'm coming out of America. I'd go all the way from Athlone, two hours to Glenade, and then I'd have to check in with mum. Are you there? Are you working? Or are you away with Kieran? Are you away with Kieran and Adam? So your mum's house doesn't feel, it's not your home. You're visiting. No, you're no. Just visiting. No, it's not. It's homely, but it's not my home. It's like visiting your sister nearly. Yeah. Okay. But I make a point that we'd get away every so often. That we'd go to Derry, go to Wild Ireland. It's not as regular as I'd like because this year has been crazy. Mm. It's like by the time I appreciated having time with my mother, COVID came. And then I really appreciated having time with mum. And then you're just so busy on the road every single weekend that... I don't spend as much time as I'd like to. And I suppose that's a good thing because there's a lot of people who have to spend five minutes with their mothers and fathers and it's excruciating for them. B&B Homes make your dream home a reality. We do it all from start to finish. Your one-stop shop to becoming a homeowner. Log on to brbhomes.ie. What's your relationship like with your siblings? Your full siblings. <laughs> Don't say half brothers or I'll make you into half man or yeah, woman. Yeah. I love them dearly. Jesus. They're the best mannerly cubs. Oh. But what's your relationship like with them? Do you Are you good friends with them? Do you speak to them regularly? Yeah. They know that they can call me for anything, but they never call me. What age are they? They are 15 and 13. And... Well, closer to 14, but... Is it is it cool having Dave Duke as their big brother? Because I'm in a very funny situation at the minute where my niece and nephew are 13, 14, and the older one doesn't really want to be seen on my page or mm. with me, but then I kind of get a feeling that she kind of does sometimes. And it, it's just... It's a very awkward place because I love her so much and I'd love to hang out with her more and I'd love to do more things with her. But she's just doing her own thing now and you're afraid of embarrassing her. Yeah. It's different for me. I'm not the cool lad on the radio. I'm the fucking idiot from Instagram. No, but I am. Like a lot of, like that's how I'm, a lot of people say that's that fucking idiot from Instagram. Whereas Dave Duke (laughs) is the cool afternoon radio presenter. They're not fucking saying that. Don't you worry. From my radio. Cool in my arse. Do they, do they? Even the people who think I'm cool and come up to me, I'm like, would you get that notion out of your head? I don't, being cool is too much of an effort. Uh, well, it's different. You're not your man that works, with no disrespect to people that work in a bank or anything, but you're not your man that works over there. Like, you're, you're your man from the radio. Mm. Like, it's different. And they must, they must think, our, our big brother is your man from the radio. 
Is that cool? To be honest, I don't think they give a shit because they're so into farming that oh. I. That's who am I? I'll tell you the only time that they've said in the last twelve months. Wow, that was really cool. Port West were doing a video with us through iRadio. So there was a giveaway on the show for a week. And they were like, hey, will Dave Duke also do a reel? I was like, no bother, pal. So I went back to the family farm and shot a load of stuff. Me on a quad, me feeding cows, me hammering a nail into a board. It was funny. It was good. That was the only time they turned around and went, man, that was hilarious. Because they saw you coming around sideways on a quad. Yeah. <laughs> And suddenly you're a legend. Legend. Yeah. We love our big brother. Now, they like, we'd often say, I love you, man. Love you, brother. Uh, and it's genuine. But I, Dave Duke from the radio means very little to them. But it was, a genius bit, it was a genius bit of marketing, whoever came up with it, because you're taking your man out of his natural habitat, hmm. sticking him on a quad and sending him out onto a farm to do a, bit of, uh, do a hard day's graft. Mm. And you probably had a blister after driving the nail. <laughs> and it was genius because it really got your attention. Did it? Oh, it did. It was my idea. Well, it was very good because do you follow your man, Evan Flo? Yes. It was similar to that. God, he's a lunatic. <laughs> Jesus. When I saw you come around the corner on the quad, I just thought that is brilliant. I couldn't go any faster because that quad is in bits. Okay. I said to Luke, the uncle, do you mind if I borrow your quad for a minute or two? He was like, what are you going at? It's like, oh, I have to shoot a video. He just started pissing his whole laugh. And, a video? Video? I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, right, there's no brakes on your <laughs> left. And the tires are <laughs> worn. Yeah. Could have killed myself. I hope Port West appreciated I put myself in danger. To put my marketing hat on again, what was really good about it is sometimes these great ideas don't get over the line. Mm. And sometimes a company like Port West can turn around and say, ah, oh, we need to promote farm safety or, and I'm not taking away from farm safety. We do. Mm. But what I'm saying is sometimes things are gone so politically oh, correct yeah, yeah. that you're saying they're questioning a hundred things about the quad instead of saying, Hey, I'm going to get people wearing your work pants. Right. And Hugh, so many times, brilliant ideas just get thrown by the wayside because people are just too safe and too PC. And it was brilliant that that got across the line because it definitely grabbed your attention from the start. Port West, and this is why I love doing the video for them, they never once went, Dave, what are you going to do? They just trusted. They were like, make us, make us something funny. Yeah. And I was like, no bother. It's, it's the exact same with this podcast. And season two, you know, they just said, yeah, we'll sponsor it. Whereas another one would say, well, you'll have to send it to us now. We'll yeah. have to listen to it. We'll have to approve it. Then we'll upload it and no, that they're brilliant like that. But anyway, let's get back to um, interviewing your mum. How realistic would that be? Like, how how could you make that happen? I'd say maybe easily isn't the right word. The logistics of it. Hello, mum. I would like to interview you. Yes or no? Hey, I would find that very hard to ask my mum. Do you know what I mean? It's easier said than done. You know, it's easier, it's easy to sit here and say, yeah, I'm going to ring her up now and ask her, can I interview her? But sometimes there's so many things at play you're worrying about. Well, first of all, you have to consider what kind of relationship you have with them. And then you're considering, well, maybe it's going to open a can of worms that I don't want to open or that I'd feel bad if I opened for them. Yeah. There's an awful lot of that. I would be more fearful of the latter than the former. 
I'd be more fearful that I would open a can of worms for mum and someone who I love than myself. Because by me asking, then, okay, you grab the electric fence, you got shocked. You should have known that. But if you're grabbing someone else to, hey, put your hand on that. It's not their decision. They might go, yeah, I'll appease Dave by sitting down for an hour. So I'd want to be very sure that, and I don't even know what the consequences would be, but you'd hate to hurt the people you love for your own indulgence, let's say. Like I could have the conversation in private. I don't know if it'd be any easier, but you could. As opposed to recording it? Yeah. But sure, what would be the harm in recording it and then having it there and doing nothing with it? It's like the old therapy of writing something down and just getting it off your chest. And you write it down and you put it in the drawer and it's there, but you feel so much better because you've, you've written it. True. I would have to make sure, it's very hypothetical, but I'd have to make sure that there was benefit of putting it out, that maybe it would help someone. Because you see a lot of things and it's like, I'm just putting out this here because I know it'll help someone. Yes, the person it's helping is you. Yeah. Tr- yours truly who's putting it out. No, that yeah, and it will help you. And let's be honest, that's, that's why you're doing it, is to help you and to help you understand. Mm. But it will also help so many people. And if it only helps one, I had this conversation with Paul Quinn from Virgin Media a few months ago. And Paul is a great friend of mine for many, many years, but um, he's a gay man and he found it very, very hard to come out. And like you, he's somebody that I admire and I really like, I have so much time for him. And he's one of those friends that you don't talk to on a regular basis, but every time you do, you just feel like you're best of friends. Yeah. So I met him in a hotel in Sligo and we recorded the podcast and the sweat was pouring out of him. What he didn't see was the sweat was pouring out of me. And the two of us were just two nervous wrecks in a room. He was nervous because he was talking about his story. And I was nervous asking the next question because I knew it was so difficult. And I sent him the podcast anyway, like I do with everyone. Have a listen to it. Let me know. And he said, Jesus, Alan, I don't know about that. And I said, no problem, Paul. And he'll tell you this. I said, we'll, we'll put it in the bin. There's no panic. If you don't want it to go out, I'm not putting it out. And that's why I never disclose who my guests are until it's approved so I don't put up a post saying I'm here with Dave Duke doing a podcast today Yeah, because you could turn around to me in two weeks time and say oh look I don't know about that so it was the same with Paul but the very first message Paul got back after our podcast was a man from London no he was actually Irish living in London and he was coming home meeting his sister and the sister was bringing him to the parents house to come out and Paul got that message and he said Job done. I'm absolutely delighted that we did the podcast. And that's one that we know of. But we mm. know we know there's there's definitely a couple more that we've helped to accept who they are and, and help come out to their parents and their loved ones. And you'll always, always help someone in some way by talking about it. True. And it's not, mm. no one's going to think look at your man trying to get views or trying to get listens or trying to get downloads because it's genuine. You know, there's a bit of on X Factor where you're like, oh, my granny died and I'm singing it for her. Yeah. And you're a bit <laughs> a like, good oh, sob story. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, all our grannies have passed on. But um, 
this is far, far more genuine. And no one, no one would question you or, or have, any, have any issue with you doing it. Your man hid his father for nearly 30 years so we could make this big interview. Yeah. Look at the silly bollocks. He at. wanted to get on the Late Late Show or be on the front cover of RSVP magazine. Oh, I'm not sad enough yet for the Late Late Show. You know when you're driving along on, on a road trip, you say you'd like to get away with your mum. Yeah. Is it ever on the tip of your tongue then where you're driving along and you're going, uh, uh, Mum, you know, about Dad? No. I don't know why... Or what has kicked into me in the last six to twelve months? Not that it's bothering me, but it's more so on my mind. That I'm a wee bit more inquisitive about it. And I'm starting to not dwell too much on it. But now I'm thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go away with Dad? Or, you know, I'm thinking, have I missed out on stuff? Of course I have, but have I really? What do you want from it? I don't know, Alan. I I honestly don't know. I probably, from a logistical point, I probably know for health reasons, hereditary conditions. Do I have brothers and sisters out there that I don't know about? How are they doing? Is he a multimillionaire? Give us a sub. <laughs> Maybe he owns a massive radio station on the continent. Who knows? He could be an RTE. Maybe a bit of nepotism could go well. <laughs> you, would you work for RTE? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. But um, <laughs> you must have an opinion of him. I don't have a negative nor a positive opinion. How, how do you not? Because I don't know the situation that he was in when he got with mum. I don't know what pressures he was put under. I don't know what happened after the deed was done. I actually kind of want to know where it happened. <laughs> where the deed happened? Yeah. Ah, come on now, you're asking for a lot there. <laughs> Jesus, talk about putting your mum on the spot. Don't ever ask that question. Why not? Uh, Do you want it to be open and honest? Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's what you, that, that's probably a couple of years into the new relationship with your mum and dad, but fucking hell. So, uh, dad, where did you ride my mum? And <laughs> uh, now I wouldn't be as coarse as that. Come on. Okay. Just give me some credit at least. Okay, all right. Well, just just keep that one in the back burner for a little while, Lean. Don't don't scare them off straight away. But to answer, no, I have no negative nor positive. My opinion of father is neutral. Was it always neutral? Did you ever go through a a phase where you're like, fuck him? Very, very briefly, and I couldn't even call it a phase. Well, that's, that's... A day, I'd say I went... Why the fuck hasn't he come looking for me? One day. Yeah. Like, that's how much I dwell on I was like... You're a bigger man than me. I might dwell more on it into the future. But literally one day I was like... Hey, here's me fucking thinking about this guy. Why hasn't he come looking for me? What's his problem? And then I was like, eh, move on. Just keep going. Do you think, does he know who you are? No. 
I feel I've met him. Huh? I feel I've met him. How would you have met him? Somewhere. I feel we've crossed paths. Why do you feel like that? Just an intuition. That we've been in the same pub together. Same shop together. I feel like we've come as close as brushing shoulders. What gives you that feeling? Nothing spiritual or... From, if you were to look at it logistically, I spend a lot of time in Galway. He's from Galway. I've travelled a lot off Galway. We've definitely crossed each other's paths. We've definitely... It'd be more illogical to think that we haven't passed each other on the road than we have. Right. You, you seem like you're going, to, you're going to go on a path. You're going to go on a journey. You seem like you're not going to let this... You seem there's like a new fire inside you the last six months. You want to find out who he is and you want to meet him. There is, but I don't think it is far progressed as you might think. Are you the, are you the type of person? Do you find it hard to see things through? Uh, not necessarily. Whereas this will go on the back burner. This isn't a. This must be done by Christmas. This must be done by quarter four, twenty twenty three. This is a, I'll know when the time is right. And currently it's bubbling. And it could simmer for, could simmer for a few years. And it mightn't bother me at all. But currently it's bubbling. It's on the bile, but it's on the back one. The wee small one that you never use because it's shite. And uh, I won't go on about it anymore. But finally, do you, do you just want to meet him and shake his hand and know who he is? Or do you want to hang out with him and start a relationship? No, I, I don't. I have no, I'm struggling for the word. I have no yearning for a relationship with dad. I just want to, and to even call him dad, I wouldn't. You're just looking for closure, basically. I'd say so. Opener and closure all in the day. And maybe maintain contact after that. I kind of, in. You're not asking for much. Not really. No. Well, if he has a ball of money. Imagine if you turned up, right? And it's like a seven-story mansion. And there's about 15 Lamborghinis. Would you go looking for money? But you have no entitlement to get money off him, do you? Ah, oh, jeez. That's a lot of child support. He's <laughs> <laughs> Can I'm you turn around him and say, Dad, you owe me 18 years? You know what I want? Does he owe to you or your, or your grandparents? Oh, jeez, he owes to me, the bastard. <laughs> Think of all the fucking Christmas presents I've missed out on. Yeah. Birthdays. Not one card from him. Right. Eh? Maybe I'll just send him a bill. You know who'd find him? Who? Debt collectors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these investigative programs about finding people. Oh, who do you think you are? Right. Just say, this person owes me money and we'll give you a commission. They'll find them. Did you ever talk to anyone professionally? No, I probably should. I genuinely probably should. Mm. I'm not naive enough to go... That's a load of bollocks. It's hard to bite the bullet and do it, though. You'll never do it. You'll never just walk along just someday and say, right, I'm going to make a phone call now. I don't think. I think something has to trigger it. Yeah. Whether it's breaking up with a girlfriend or losing a job or something else going wrong in your life to trigger you to go and talk to somebody to then eventually get to the daddy issues. Mm. That's how I feel. I could be wrong. Daddy? <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's what happened to me. Where something else triggered it and I went along talking to somebody and it took me two years to get to my child issues. 
you know, that every time she brought it up, I was like, no, no, not talking about, no, not getting into it. And then eventually she broke me down. Hmm. But it's the best thing I ever did. It is the best thing I ever did. And I'm not saying that it fixed my problems because it didn't. And there's a lot of things I could have done afterwards and during to fix my problems. But it definitely helped me understand them an awful lot more. And it gave me an understanding of what's going on and my relationships with certain people where now I kind of go, well, now I know why that's happening. Now, this is the step I could do to make it a little bit better or fix it. And there's still things kind of holding me back going, oh, no, I'm not going to do that now. Mm. But I would highly, highly, highly recommend talking to somebody. And the other thing I say in the same sentence is, the first person you meet isn't going to fix all your problems, number one. And number two, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. It might take two or three people for you to meet and to click with. Now, it doesn't always. Some people go in and they click with the first person they see, but it took me three or four. I went along and I was seeing a guy for a while and I just wasn't clicking with him. Just wasn't clicking and I wasn't feeling anything coming out and I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to meeting him or... Not that you would be looking forward to doing it because... The first few months, there was months, no comfort. In there was going nothing. To no, I was just nothing. Just handing over money, going home, thinking, right, I have to be there at three o'clock next Thursday. It was just an appointment. Whereas when I met this lady, I was, I just knew that we were getting closer all the time, or that I knew that I'd feel something at the end, and I'd learn something, and I took away something from every meeting, and that was very important. And nobody knew. I have. I spoke about this before. You know, I was going along doing this myself for, for years and nobody knew. And it was at great expense and great difficulty because I was driving from Galway to a, a destination an hour and a half away. Mm. And it was tough going, like. But just do it. Do you want to hear a walking contradiction? Go on. One of the biggest problems in the Irish Health Service, the attitude towards mental health, is that you have to be... Um, an absolute desperate case to be seen to and then sometimes you're not mm. and here's me going ah but yeah I don't really need therapy yet because life is good at the minute and I'm busy and the head is in a good space and I'll have to let it get really bad to do anything about it yeah rather than you know the worst like it's like maintaining a car you know if you do a bit every now and then put on a couple of tyres here a couple of tyres there get a service don't let it Jesus the sump is gone, the yeah. timing belt is blown out, the shocks are gone. Because then it's far more difficult to remedy. We do that with everything. We, everything. Do, we do that with everything. There's a, there's a rattle in the car, or I'll, I'll leave it another few weeks. See that car that I have today? Yeah. It's probably going to kill me because there's stuff <laughs> rattling in it all over the place. But I'm like, I know it'll be sound. Yeah. And your head, we treat it the same. We're like, how can we do this to ourselves? But we do it in everyday life. Why do you put it off? <clears throat> Procrastination is a bastard. God, it's the enemy of productivity and everything. It's, there's always an, a distraction. There's always been a distraction. For the, since Michal Martin said in January, you can go out again, it has not stopped. I had half a day yesterday to myself, and I was like, and then oh. half a day today, and then I go taking your half a day today. No, but I love this. This this is therapeutic, and yeah. I 
thanks for having me on <laughs> is a phrase that gets um, crucified. I don't know why, because it can be used for genuine reasons. Mm. It's, I feel, I feel honoured to be trusted with your listeners' ears. Oh, well, thanks. Because they are precious and they shouldn't be taken for granted. And no. I know you don't. No, I don't. My listeners are, they're unbelievable. And the stuff that has happened to me over the last two years has just been incredible. And they're hardcore, like. They're mm. hardcore supporters. And they really have my back. And what I found over the last two years is complete strangers have my back more than people I thought were my best friends. You know, and a lot of people listening to this podcast genuinely look out for me. Yeah. You know. It, it can it can happen. Yeah. It can happen. Those who you've never met in person, you can have a stronger bond and connection than someone you might have called a friend. Yeah. Have you many friends? Not as many as you'd think. Not as many as you'd think. Like really, really, really best friends. Best friends that you could call on. Three. Yeah, I'd be the same. Max. After that, it's friends and then acquaintances. Yeah. Irish radio and... But that's real. This industry would lead you to believe that absolutely everybody is friends. And there's people that I have great respect for. In iRadio, in Spin, in Today FM, in... uh, 2FM to a lesser extent. I don't know, no one in there. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, not yet. But... As to best friends, Kieran and Sean, Kieran Milanoff and Sean Maguire, we've been best friends for years. And the great thing is, we don't need to talk often. I don't need to be onto the phone to them every five minutes mm. going, well, what's the crack? We mightn't talk for weeks. But see, when we sit down, it's like, yeah, whatever. What's the goal? Uh, obviously... You know, it's it's tricky talking to somebody about their goals when they're in... Like, I have this great freedom at the minute where I'm not associated to anyone. And there's massive freedom in that, that I can say and do whatever I want. Because when I was in Midwest or in any other radio station, there's so many things you're restricted. You don't want to upset people and you don't want to... You don't want to burn any bridges or say what you shouldn't. So it's difficult for you at the minute being an award-winning... Radio presenter <coughs> on iRadio. Anytime someone says award winning, I want to puke. But what's the goal? Like, obviously, I'm not sure can we get into it. The goal, obviously, isn't staying on radio for the rest of your life. You're too ambitious for that. But I love iRadio. And I love its potential. I love what it's done. And I so enjoy being part of it. And Fanula Corbett is a phenomenal woman to work with. And she's far too good for iRadio. She's far too good for RTE. That woman should be working for the BBC. She is a production workhorse. Masterclass at everything she does. She's phenomenal. Jesus Christ. You'd swear I was trying to get up in her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the woman. No, but it's obvious to see that. It's obvious to... Yeah, and I hope she knows that. And, like, I hope Mark, our CEO, he does know it. He knows Fanula Lee's iRadio's fucked. You're lucky the to, whole lot will fall apart, man. You're lucky to have that connection with her because a lot of stations force that. They say, right, man, woman, show, go. Well, it could have worked out very differently. Yeah, It could have worked out disastrous. And I'll tell you, the first year of that show was very tough because we didn't know each other. Mm. Fanula was coming from a news background. I was coming from a bollocksing background. And the two clashed. I was junior. Well, I still am junior to Fanula. 
but I was junior on that show to Fanula. So I was letting her take the lead. And we were doing stuff that I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're talking about protests and politics. And I'm like, yeah. this isn't I radio. But then there was stuff going on. Oh, you've got to... So for people who don't understand, every radio station, you have to do news. You just have to have a percentage of news. Yeah, you have to tick so many boxes. I don't think iRadio would do the news unless it was mandated or in the law. <laughs> yeah. I think we'd just go, oh yeah, Donald Trump shot dead. Yeah, anyways, do you want to hear new Beyonce? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but we have to. So that's grand and, it, and it's a service and people deserve to get the news and it's right for democracy and all that. But my goal years ago was... 2FM was the absolute holy grail. Yeah, mine too. The holy grail. Not to be the next Jerry Ryan, rest his soul, but just to be part of that radio station. And I don't know is my head there anymore. They, I'm actually not sure. Go national is the easy thing for a radio presenter on a regional radio station to say. Well, it's it's the pinnacle, isn't it? You know, it, when you're in radio, your drive is to what go is national. That's that's what your drive, like your drive is, I'd love to be on national radio. But when you break it down and when you finally find yourself and when you're finally comfortable in your own skin, you realise, hang on now a second, things down here are an awful lot more, are much better than they are up there. Mm-hmm. And if you can find comfort in that and you realise that, then maybe national isn't the way to go. How many people have gone up there thinking, hey, I've met it big and then a year later, nobody's heard of them ever again? Yeah. It's very hard to come back. It is. It's like a a one-man band that puts a band on the road for 12 months and the band sinks. How does he go back being a one-man band again unless he's very, very safe and secure and comfortable in his own skin? Because a lot of people, it'll bring them up to the big smoke and eat them up and spit them back down to Leitrim or Longford or Athlone again. I, about five years ago, I put a time limit on to get to national. And that time limit was by 30 years of age, you need to be on RT2FM or Today FM. Those are the only two options. You have until 30 years of age, Mr. Dave Duke. The very best to luck. And now, it's not a cop-out, because I've been thinking this for a while. Why am I in such a rush? Maybe it's because, is 32 old for radio? Am I getting old? What is wrong with me? Like, genuinely, for a long while, I'm like, Jesus, 30. I'm done. I'm done in regional youth radio stations. Not at all. It's bollocks. Yeah. Look at Scott Mills in the UK. Life experience. One of the biggest regrets I have was being so too hell-bent on radio as soon as I finished working. Because I feel I've only really started to garner life experience in the last five years. I should have went on a J1. I should have went to Australia. But I was so hell-bent on not ruining my radio career that I didn't go away. But it does that to you. It takes over, like it takes over your life. It's like, it's it's the industry, you know. It's the same thing with singers, footballers, you know. It just takes over your life. I wouldn't look at it as a negative, like you've achieved so much. And 
yeah, you could have went and gone to Australia and had great crack for a year. And then, sure, God only knows what could have happened. You could be back here doing what... You could be working in an office absolutely pulling your hair out every day of the week. True. The point I was getting at was, though, I'm a better broadcaster in inverted commas I suppose this is subjective if you're listening here going Jesus Christ I'd pull the head of that book on the radio <laughs> any day but I'm a better broadcaster than I was last year and I hope to be a better broadcaster next year and so on and so forth until I get a big cushy job and I go I'm just going to phone it in because if they sack me they have to give me a wild amount of money but I'd say that's more when you're in your <laughs> 50s or 60s in Dublin that's not I radio have you any questions for me before we finish up feel that we talk too much about radio (laughs) do you think we talk too much about radio Alan I think it's interesting I think what we spoke about is interesting and I I think people don't see the side that we spoke about Mm. people just see your man on the radio having great crack and getting paid for it and everything's rosy and everyone loves you know they're doing the best job in the world but nobody sees them sitting in the car after a gig mulling over one word they said for two or three hours going fuck I shouldn't have said that or nobody sees them mulling over the text they got calling them a dickhead or nobody sees the text they got saying I'll be waiting outside for you did I tell you about the complaint about saying bollocks no got an email saying that was there no watershed on Irish radio and technically there actually isn't you could say fuck bollocks wank at five o'clock in the day, but it's more about decency than the law. I called, I, Fanula wouldn't like Jeremy Clarkson because of his views online. He's a bit right wingy and, and I says, I look, he's a bit of a bollocks, but I really like him. He's a likable bollocks. Yeah. Like I love watching the, I love watching him on Top Gear. Uh, I haven't watched as much Grand Tour. People keep begging me, please watch Clarkson Farm. It's amazing. It's done so much for farming and all that. And I will. But someone got it mixed up with us talking about Paddington Bear. And they sent an email. Is there no watershed on Irish radio? Why was the presenter calling Paddington Bear a bollocks? (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't an issue until you called Paddington Bear a bollocks. I don't think bollocks was the issue. It was the thought of the bear. It was around the time (laughs) the Queen died. And all the Paddington Bears were being left. And they they just heard Paddington Bear and Bollocks. And there was a good 20 seconds between them. Right. But they, that was... Did you get in trouble? Uh, slight. I got more in trouble over the... Come saying that Protestants liked lamb chops and mint <laughs> sauce. When did you say that? A couple of months ago. <laughs> Rory Williams was brought in for a game. And... It was guessing sounds. So I played the music that the teams run out to the pitch in Crow Park for, say, All-Ireland All Ireland Final Day. And Fanula got it straight away. Is that the R10 boys band or something? No, it's, oh, um, it's like pipes going. Okay, I know the one anyway. Yeah. I played that, Fanula knew it straight away. Rory didn't because he wouldn't be into the GAA. He says, oh, Fanula get that straight away anyways. And I says, are you calling Fanula Colchi? And he says, I am. Basically calling her a bogger. And I says, you know what, Rory? There's an air. And I paused. Because I knew it wasn't meant to say this. <laughs> There's an air of a Protestant about you. And he started laughing. And Fanula was like, what is going to happen? Is he a Protestant? 
<laughs> his father is. <laughs> All right. But he admitted that on the air. I says... In the same context. I said, there's never a Protestant about you from Glen Rowe. You know the the Protestant from Glen Row. The, the Protestants in Glen Row were portrayed as high and mighty and above everyone, and they lived in basically a castle and they ate pheasant every evening and they were friends with the vicar. It was a caricature, it wasn't accurate, but that's what I was trying to get at Rory. And I says, you've the air of a man who'd love lamb chops and mint sauce, and he says, I do love lamb chops and mint sauce. And then he says, I've something to tell you, lads. My father's a Protestant. I should think everything was in convulsions of laughing. <laughs> He's laughing. I'm laughing. Fanula is just trying to be neutral in this situation. <laughs> and we moved on. His father's actually Presbyterian, not Protestant, by the way. And got an awful shit over it. How? Someone said that if you were to say the same things about Muslims, <laughs> that I was like, I literally sent said, you've an air of a Protestant from Glen Row about you. Are you actually saying that I should be sacked because I said the Protestants might enjoy lamb chops and mint sauce? And are you comparing this with the persecution of, actually, they said gays and Muslims that just put everything into a complaint. But that could have been the end of me. Gays and Muslims. They're just, you know, that classic argument. Oh, you wouldn't say that about men. You wouldn't say that about women. You wouldn't say that about uh, right. gay people. You wouldn't say that about Muslims. They just use that. Fire in a of words into an email. But yeah, that could have been game over. It could have been. As easily as it couldn't have. Yeah. But just going to see. Isn't it madness? Isn't it mad the way mm. things are gone? Yeah, I had no complaints for about to I probably shouldn't be talking about these either really shouldn't be but I think they've been dealt with so I um I nearly got sacked once for we were on a radio station and we were talking about particular coffee <laughs> <laughs> and then I know this story the brand of the coffee is honest and we called it dishonest and when we came out because of the price of it and when we came out of the studio like, we came out of the studio all laughing, joking, having the crack. Imagine two boys coming out of the studio now that looked like the cats that got the cream, yeah. thinking, yeah, we're, we're after nailing it. And everyone in reception, like you're at a funeral. <laughs> and everyone looking at you, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? And you're looking around. Who? Somebody die? Uh, no, you have to go up to the office. <laughs> right. Up to the office, suits, everyone... Uh, lads, no, you have to go. <laughs> what? So basically, there was a lot of pressure from advertisers mm. who spend an awful lot of money and then said advertisers are connected to three other types of brands who spend equal amounts of money and then suddenly this figure became colossal and you're after costing the company millions <laughs> for saying a word. And thank God it... it uh, we, we we resolved it and we got to the end of it but like it can happen so, so quickly when you're caught up in the moment and you're having the crack and it's live and you just spurt it out mm-hmm. and then suddenly boom your whole career could be over and I fully appreciate that you're <laughs> you're dancing with fire and I love it you love it I love it <laughs> I'm just and I am um, this is an extreme example, but 
I'm starting to treat radio as if you're doing the Isle of Man TT. Those men know that if they slip off their bike, it's game over. And this it's like comparing death. It's chalk and cheese. But take the same principle off. I know that I could slip here and it could be game over. And as long as I feel as it's not racist or homophobic, then, and you don't, you don't cause, or you're, you don't really hurt someone inside. We've forgotten how to have the crack. Yeah. There's a difference between, I've really hurt you inside deeply as a person, then that's regrettable. Versus, I have slightly offended you because I've accused you of liking lamb chops. <laughs> and mint sauce. And mint fucking sauce. <laughs> like, come on. Like, the amount of jokes no. I've told about Catholicism and going to mass and priests and everything. And then it's just one where I go, lamb chops, mint sauce. Boom! You wouldn't say that about Muslims. No, I wouldn't. No. <laughs> of course. Of course I wouldn't. The one thing Irish people are class at is taking the piss out of themselves. And I hope that never changes. But... It is changing. Everything is funny until it happens to you. But it's like last week when I, I was on about the bed sheets. I burnt my bed sheets in the dryer. Yeah. And suddenly I was that fucking idiot. How did you do that, you fucking idiot? But there was loads of people that said, never knew your bed sheets could catch fire in the dryer. Mm. But the, you know, the thing that, that dominated it was... How did you not know that you put your bed sheets in the dryer and you head off? And then I just did this video turning the bed sheets into a jumper and wearing it. Because you have to be able to have the crack. Mm. And you have to be able to pull the piss out of yourself. I was afraid of the flakback of being an idiot on the radio for a long time. But now, if someone gets a kick out of going, what a fucking idiot, then I'm glad they're getting their kicks. Yeah, fair play to them. But as long as you're comfortable with that, and know that you might have to double down, like making the jumper out of the sheets. Do you it, ever it, do you ever get hassle when you're out? Like if you're out on a date or you're out, then um, you never come over to you, giving you giving you shit. Irregularly, I have had ten thousand more positive experiences than negative experiences. I've got shit over the two Johnnies. What do you mean over the two Johnnies? Boys will come up and try and jar you it. Ah, the two Johnnies are some boys. I won't listen to you at all. What? Yeah. Why? Because they're on the same time. Yeah. They. The and what, they, <laughs> to be th- honest, part of me is like, whichever fuck off. But part of me is also going, you know what? This is actually good for Irish radio. It's good that two competing radio stations and two competing shows are treated like, say, two football teams. I think Irish radio is actually missing a bit of. Slagging against each other Yeah I'd love to be taking pops At the two Johnnies I'd love the two Johnnies are going Fuck those two Look at the pubs in Galway They're great at doing it Yeah And all they're doing Is promoting each other That's ex- That's all they're doing That's all they're doing Bring everyone along The greatest time Bundorn Was flying Was that there was A nightclub war That's right They were hammering Each other I remember that You know what happened The whole town of Bundorn was full. <laughs> and see when the nightclub war stopped? <whistles> one nightclub shut and the other one was empty for fucking ages. So if some boys come up to you and start jibing you about the two John. Is it always men? What I find is the only insults or jibes I get are from men. 
I get the odd shitty message from a woman on Instagram. No, but in real life, it's yeah. only men that will approach you in real life. Uh, five to one men. There was one fella and he just wouldn't leave it alone, that alone. What? He'd gone he, on about the two Johnnies? He just didn't like me. He just did not. Actually. But <laughs> that's the fella that's listening to you every day of the week. I'll tell you the true story about it. And I caught myself out badly. You know balloons? You do, you're familiar with the concept of balloons, um, aren't you? You put air in them, yeah. Okay. Helium balloons. Right. We don't know what happened, but we think there was a skip and there was some of the stuff going out of the iRadio warehouse. Yeah. And there was old balloons put into a skip. They either blew away or they were taken out of it and they landed in this man's field. This man messaged the Instagram of iRadio and said, hey, some of these balloons have landed in the field. They're quite dangerous to the cows. He didn't say cop on, but he was like, could you investigate? Yeah. Completely fair. Yeah. If you have cows in a field, and if you have a dog or a cat or anything, you don't want like plastic around. I seen the message, but I never acted on it. Oh, you're logged into the page? Yeah. Right, okay, so you opened it. You thought, right. Must I do- must send that on. And then something else happened. And you get distracted and yeah. life goes on. Right. Until one night in that loan, a woman approaches me and goes, you're Dave Duke. And I go, yes, I am. We'll call her Mary. Mary's chatting away and her boyfriend is John. Oh, John had iRadio balloons blow into his field. And without thinking, I went, oh, I've seen that. <gasps> no. And the whole atmosphere changed. She went from, oh, you're Dave Duke to, oh, you're Dave Duke. Mary goes off and he was in her merry way. John. Is met in the smoking area. Guess what? <laughs> I was talking to Dave Duke. He saw the balloons in the field and he done fucking nothing about it. So John tackles me. John puts down the fag. <laughs> Straight in. Aren't the two Johnnies doing a great job? No way. On 2FM. And I go, Dar, fair play to the lads now. That's how he approached you. That's literally the first words he said to me. He didn't say hello or anything? Not, not uh, hello. How are you getting on? Was right. that unfortunate about the balloons? I would rather if he turned around and went, you silly bollocks. Yeah. Why didn't you message me? I'd rather take a bollock and then go, hey, two Johnnies are doing some job, aren't they? I kind of laughed it off. I was right. like, yeah, you know what? Fair play to them. They're country lads. They're doing it in the city. They've built a colossus for themselves. Part of me is jealous, but more of me is going, fair fox. And he went at it again. He's like, yeah, they're absolutely flying on 2FM, aren't they? And he went for a third time. And now at this stage, he's nearly going nose to nose with me. And I'm like, are we actually going to scrap <laughs> in the smoking area of the piano bar in Athlone over balloons and the two Johnnies? Because if I hit you, this is news. But if you hit me, well, then Dave Jukes just a bollocks. So we left it at that and haven't seen him since. And there's been a couple of instances like that, but... If you come with me to the two Johnnies, I'll come swinging for you. Ah, don't say that. I'll come swinging for you. Don't nah, say that. I'm not a violent man. It's mad the things people pick up on and the things that people people try, like, they think are insulting or, they, you know, they try to get under your skin. Mm. It's bonkers. Right, so let's finish things up. How are, what are you going to do next regarding your mum and dad? What's next? What's the next step? For now, maybe nothing. I will probably dwell on it for a little bit. I'll let it bubble. 
simmer, whatever word you want. How do you feel after talking about it today? No stronger. I'm glad that I've been allowed to talk about it and been able to talk about it. I think results of talking about it yet to be determined, but currently I'm comfortable with talking about it. I'm actually more nervous having talked about radio so openly in my thoughts than actually about mum and dad. Yeah, I I get that because it's hard when you're you're in it. You know, it's such a it's such a strange it's such a strange industry that there is always a fear talking about it when mm. you're in it you know you're you're never you're never that secure that you can say what you want or you know to say how you feel absolutely not and you're thinking is the, the boss, boss or a shareholder going to take this up in the wrong way yeah you know because everything is it's your perspective what Inst- do they mean by that instead of them saying you know dave duke was on there he's on that podcast that gets 15 20 000 downloads a week and he's been real and potentially there could be another 5,000 listeners out of that. Can I summarise my thoughts on Irish Radio? It's strong, but it's not as strong as it should be. We've let podcasts eat us up. We need to fight back. There's so many fucking fraudsters and posers in Irish Radio, you wouldn't believe it. But don't lose sight. There's so many wonderfully talented and passionate and loving and caring people who love this industry for what it is and what it can be and what it was. And I will I would like to add to that and put a message out there to radio station managers and bosses and purse holders. Stop cutting budgets for marketing, social media, yeah, and podcasting. Just stop doing it. It's don't, madness. Don't keep telling us social media is so important. And then go we're not giving any money towards it. No. It's pointless. It's actually pointless. Social media, podcasting, YouTube, TikTok, it's the future. Go and sort it out. Mm. You know? And there's money there for it. Look at all the podcasters in Ireland that are making money from podcasts. And radio stations still aren't doing it. Yeah, we should be going, num, 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 num. Num, 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 num. You should never had a lunch to eat podcasters. But Irish Radio, we don't you a favour. We sat back and we went, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> never forget it. Irish podcasters owe your lunches to Irish Radio. <laughs> Says Dave Duke on a mad one. Dave Duke, there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about today and I didn't talk about half of them. And I, I you know, I want to sit down with you again. Please bring me back again. Will you- I was happy to be... Ask the first time. Well, let's, let's have a chat again in a few months because I have a list of things that I wanted to talk to you about and we were completely sidetracked there with a few issues and um, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you and it's so hard to find real people for podcasts. You can't mm. find them. They're not out there. I've been very lucky with who I've had. People aren't afraid to talk and tell their story but people like you are very, very rare. I don't know about that. They are. They are. There's a lot of people out there working in jobs and on Instagram and uh, singers and people running businesses that are just afraid, for various reasons, just to say it how it is. And it's 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 refreshing to speak to somebody 
who will just have a conversation with you about normal stuff? I, it would be absolutely fitting if it was this conversation that made me unreal because I got in trouble or got sacked for giving my true opinions. <laughs> that would actually be a brilliant, lovely round ending. It's like, he was real. It's hard to find real people. He got sacked. He kept it too real. <laughs> well, I'm sure something would come from it. If you were the fella that got sacked for being too real, Look, something else would come up. All it. I'm missing is a scandal. What do you mean? That's what I'm missing. I've said this. All I'm missing is a perfectly balanced scandal to shoot my career into the stratosphere. How were the two Johnnies punished for oh, the, the car stickers? They were taken off the air, which I fully disagreed with. If you employ the two boys in 2FM, stick by them. Yeah. Stick by your man, stick by your woman, stick by your men, stick by your women. It's like, uh, and then they just it's like grand catfish came out. Okay, we've um, absolutely increased. They were huge before that. Whatever they're after that, what's a bigger word than huge? All I'm missing is just a wee scandal now. <laughs> Thought the Protestants and the lamb chops would do it, but it just didn't. How's your NCT? Is it out? No. <laughs> okay, we we'll keep, no, we'll keep thinking. No, it has to be perfectly balanced. <gasps> Give me a good scandal, please. Come here, wh- what time is your radio show at? So it's iRadio in the afternoon with David and Fanula, Monday to Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. afternoons. The oh. Bop Bop Baby Bus is probably the one big thing people, everyone knows. The Bop Bop Bus is coming and everybody's coming from Donegal to Kerry and maybe even Derry. There's no place that we won't go because this is the best show. Do you have that on Spotify? So if you want a bus seat, we'll be there in a heartbeat. No. Can you put it on Spotify? Don't know. You should look into it. Probably should chat the Venga boys. Yeah. Or can you just credit them and bang it up? <laughs> no. You should look into that. There's I money to be made there. Actu- I can't actually legally say yes now in case I just do that. Because then there might be implications for iRadio. Like, you went on the podcast and you said, we're going to bootleg it. What, um, what are your social media handles? At Mr. Dave Duke on Instagram. So the adage M R D A V E D U K E. Mr. Duke, because some people spell it D double O K E. That's not it. So TikTok, Instagram. I don't use Facebook anymore yeah. at all. It's dead to me. You know, a lot of people at the start when I radio started out, and I only know a local radio station. Um but a lot of people in local radio station wrote off I radio at the start. Mm-hmm. And continue to write them off mm-hmm. and say, ah, sure, they'll be gone in six months. And they've just gone from strength to strength. It's incredible what they've achieved. True. To be built in a recession, 2008, well past the peak of the boom, mm. and having to amalgamate into Monksland in Athlone, or actually the Roscommon side. Up the Rossies. <laughs> so never say that as a leecher man. And to just keep trucking along. And just getting bigger and better. And even though we've a uh, uphill struggle against podcasts and social media and the many distractions that you have at your fingertips, it's an honour to work for iRadio. And it truly is. And I know you can go, ah, it's only iRadio, it's only a regional radio station. For me to be on there, it's an honour. And for someone to come up to you in public and go, I listen to you every day. I listen to you for two minutes of a Thursday while I'm cooking the dinner. 
they all mean the world. To think someone will go to the bother of throwing you on Alexa or putting you on in the car when there's so many options, you have to be grateful. And I am. And I love, I fucking love iRadio. <laughs> Dave Duke, keep her lit. And never mind that owl uh, heading up to the big smoke stuff. Keep, stay in Roscommon, you're doing mighty. Thank you. And I couldn't say goodbye without saying, take it savage handy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let BRB Homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie